Hi guys, before we get into today's show, I want to give you a heads up on an exciting new venture that is officially launching today. Over the last few years, I've been consulting with a variety of e-commerce businesses. They usually engage me to solve a technology or marketing problem. But what becomes very clear very quickly is that it's often a people or skills capability rather than a tech or marketing problem that we have to solve. We need to get the structure and capabilities right before we go out and buy that Ferrari that sits in the driveway because no one can drive it. At the same time, as a retailer, I worked with lots of recruiters, both as an employer and as a candidate. What was obvious to me was that while there's no shortage of great recruiters, most don't understand our unique world of e-commerce. We're a bit of that weird hybrid that sits amongst digital, marketing and retail skills, and we often have to do them all. That's why I've teamed up with my very good friend and amazing talent finder, Emily Hayden, to launch eSuite. At eSuite, we aim to connect e-commerce talent to help retailers, job seekers, and our communities grow. We're already working with some high-growth e-commerce clients and have some amazing job opportunities live on our website right now. I'll be sharing more with you over the coming weeks and introducing Em, but if you want to know more or get in touch, visit esuitetalent.com.au. That's esuite, E-S-U-I-T-E, talent.com.au. We are the people for e-commerce growth. Now let's get into today's show. It's a ticket to dreaming. That moment you're giving yourself to just dream about what you might do with it or, or who, who you might give it to or what changes you make in life. Like it's really, um, it's really uplifting and it's really positive. You're looking at a system and digital experiences that need to support up to 400 account registrations, 2,800 card, credit card or debit card deposits and 3,600 entry purchases per minute. So this is not your backyard sort of sense of volume. The nature of lotteries too is that not everybody uh, has a winning entry. It's really about how does the experience help soften the blow of that and how does the customer feel value in that transaction because that's ultimately what will bring them back. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and e-commerce strategist at 12 High. Now, imagine you're in charge of running digital for a company that had 3.7 million registered and active customers who spent almost $3 billion on your products last year. And then imagine if you had no products to sell them, only the dream of products. That's what today's guest, Sharon Anderson, has. She's the head of digital lotteries at The Lot. You would know The Lot for their brands, including Powerball, Auslotto, and Instant Scratchets. It's a totally different story from most of our retail stories as there's no physical goods to ship, but it was a fascinating insight into how you can still sell something that is totally intangible. In our chat, Sharon takes us behind the scenes on some of the challenges they face in transitioning older customers to online, something we all have had experience with, I think, in COVID, the tactics they use to navigate app stores that have different rules and regulations, 
and how they handle the huge surges of demand one hour out from major prize draws. So let's get into it. Thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet. Here's our episode with Sharon Anderson from The Lot. Sharon Anderson, welcome to Add to Cart. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. That's awesome. Um, I think it's going to be so good for our listeners because you are something totally different and not just you, the company you work for, obviously. Oh, I mean, um, I'm pretty unique, you. but yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to class aspersions right from the outset, right? <laughs> So to give our listeners an idea of who you are and um, what you do, if I was your Uber driver and I picked you up and I asked you what you did for a living, how would you describe it? Uh, yeah, pretty much I would just say that I look after everything website and app related uh, for Australia's official lotteries and would usually then add the lot um, to which people would say, you mean the lotto? And I'd be like, yep, that's right. Um, and probably I'd follow it up really quickly with just confirming that I didn't know the winning numbers for tonight's draw because that's a pretty common question that we get working in lotteries. And I could imagine it was funny like the first two times and then you're like, ha-ha, funny. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's good humour. I obviously want to get to my destination, so you, you want to go along with the joke <laughs> as, long as, you, <laughs> as long as you need to. But it is funny we used to get... In our previous office, uh, obviously, a lot of our customers do, uh, for our high prize wins, do visit our head office. So, it's actually a really exciting thing. So, a lot of drivers over the years actually have a really positive reflection about picking people up from our office thinking we might be prize winners. So, I think they're excited either way if they find out it's actually people who work in lotteries because we uh, we do seem to be a bit of an enigma, I think, um, in the industry. So, it's, um, it's always exciting to be able to talk about lotteries. Yeah, brilliant. So... Tell us about the lot. What brands would we be familiar with in under the lot brand? Yeah, so the lot is the official home of Australia's lotteries, which looks after, conducts the lotteries on behalf of uh, Golden Casket, New South Wales Lotteries, TATS and SA Lotteries. So the short version of that is pretty much uh, all the lotteries bar Western Australia. So, um, and when we say lotteries, we're talking about really loved brands like uh, Saturday Gold Lotto, TATS Lotto, Saturday Cross Lotto, Oz Lotto, Powerball, Set for Life, Instant Scratch Hits. It's quite a uh, a huge family of, of brands, really. <laughs> yeah, it's massive. Yeah, yep. It keeps us keeps us pretty busy. But look, I, I think uh, the really exciting part for us is, uh, you know, there's just so many people in Australia who have a dream of, of a kind of life-changing event for themselves and, and for their loved ones. So, you know, we, we do have quite a fair reach and, and of course, create a lot of different lottery products to, to meet the demands of different different customers that we've got. And why is there, and this is probably my simpleton view, why is there so many different types of lotteries? Is it purely to get a game on every night? Um, well, I think it's just an interesting kind of history that, that lotteries has had. We've invested quite a lot in um, in customer testing and, and customer research because I think um, part of it is that, customers do typically want more than one chance a week to kind of be in a draw. Uh, but it's, it's equally about addressing the different, I guess, motivations or desires that customers have. You know, a lot of our games do vary in their their prize winnings or their prize mechanics, as we call them. And that's really speaking to what, what we've listened or what we've heard from customers when we've been um, researching those games. So, you know, a set for life being uh, offering a prize of $20,000 a month for 20 years is a, is a really fun way, I guess, of dreaming how you would use that money as opposed to 
you know, some of our larger jackpots, which can certainly start putting people, I guess, in a um, another worldly mindset of what they would do with with that type of prize money. So yeah, so I guess it's about creating that differentiation to meet the different motivations for our customers. Yeah, absolutely. And give us an idea of how many people are playing lotteries on a weekly or monthly basis, and then how many of those are online? Yeah, so look, probably... Uh, from a participation, which is what our technical term is, what we what we call it. Look, for our larger draws and, and more notably our Powerball draws, we're actually seeing up to half the adult Australian population purchasing an entry. So not, not a small amount of, of people, all very diverse in, in their, their needs and motivations. And that, that's across all of our, our channels that we operate. And so from a, a digital point of view, they're, they're relatively a smaller subset of that at the moment. So we're still very much a, a loud and proud uh, physical in-store business. Are you able to say what percentage is online of your sales? So as of kind of the the financial year, we were sitting at around 28% of total sales. So um, what's really interesting, I guess, with our customer base is that it's not exclusive. So it's not that people typically just play through our in-store channels or play in our online channels. It's it's a really good mix across channels. And I guess like from a business point of view, that's really what we're trying to aim for is offering that that amount of customer choice where we can. But yeah, so that that's sort of roughly where it's sitting at the moment. And that 28%, has it been a, a significant growth over the last couple of years or even over the last year with COVID? Yeah. So when I started uh, back in the role in, in 2015, it, it was a much smaller percentage. And look, we've obviously invested in, I guess, growing our, our skill sets and, and our capability in that space over the last five years. So we've seen what we call real incremental growth. So what's been really positive, It's it's been a really healthy level of growth for our, our business. And I think it's also coupled in with the fact that we've also, we kind of frequently change our game structure, as we call it. So we had a, a relaunch of our Powerball game back in 2018 or 2019. It's all a bit, I will admit it's a bit of a blur for me. It's been quite a ride, but, um, and you know, like that, that's sort of where we started to see those larger jackpots. And, and that's a really big driver of acquisition for us when we have those events, because we have people who've never really heard or played lotteries before kind of becoming interested in the category. So, and yeah, look, certainly with the advent of COVID, we then have seen further growth. We were already looking pretty strong prior to that event. And I think, um, you know, we were really fortunate during that period to still have our retail network highly operational, um, just given that they provide essential services to the communities that they operate in. So it's definitely been a really positive growth story, but it's been a really sustainable one too. I mean, we're, we're not really out to kind of change our business. We're really there to, to augment it and, and to strengthen it. New Bar are manufacturers of solar shampoo and conditioner bars that are designed to provide a plastic-free hair and body care solution all they think of next. They partnered with our partners and packaging supplier Signet to create a sustainable supply chain with eco-friendly packaging solutions while keeping product transit damages at 0%. 0%. Signet has over 5,500 packaging solutions that help leading e-commerce businesses step up their packaging game. Visit signet.net.au to find out more. And in terms of the channels that you're offering um, the gaming mechanisms through, is it website and app? 
Yes. Yeah. So uh, customers yeah. can buy an entry uh, today or any day uh, at the, the lot.com. Uh, so we have a full functioning e-commerce website and we've also got native mobile applications through iOS and Android. A little bit of a quirk for us being in, in the gambling vertical is Google doesn't actually allow our purchasing app in the Play Store. So it is available for download via our website. Um, and we subsequently have a what we call a results only app in the Play Store for Android. So that lets people check their tickets, uh, retail tickets, as well as checking the draw result. That's kind of one of those little downsides, I suppose, or a bit of a challenge for us. But but we are very focused on on making sure that we're available in channels that customers expect us to be in. So why do you know why the reason is the rules are different for gaming between the Google App Store and the iTunes App Store? Yeah, it's um. It's something that we come across quite frequently working in in online gaming um, is that a lot of these larger technology companies are US-based and and look culturally and legally, they have completely different, I guess, aspects on it. Australia is probably quite familiar with having a punt. And so I guess our cultural background is a little bit different. So a lot of the time, it's just those companies not necessarily having as much context of the Australian market and applying kind of those US-based rules. So we had seen that in the past, uh, not not really with Apple, but we have seen that with other large providers. It's always, I guess, a, um, a fair point. And there's a lot that goes into considering, you know, player harm and and customer consideration. So, you know, it's something that I think we really respect and, and appreciate in that instance. It's just really hard for us to explain that, I suppose, to our customers who are really, <laughs> they just want what they want and they kind of don't don't need, and they, they shouldn't have to care, I guess. Like that sort of, it's always a bit hard for us when we're like, oh, we'd love to, but we can't. They're just like, well, I'll give you one star anyway, because you just haven't sorted out my problem. So... <laughs> You haven't changed Google's rules for us. Yeah, exactly. Maybe go and petition them here. But yeah, it, it was quite funny when we did launch that results app. We did that because we could see that there was search presence for us, but we just didn't have a place. So being able to, I guess, work around that condition of having a non-purchasing app allowed us to have that presence. And when we launched it, customers were quite rabid. This is a terrible app. It doesn't let me buy my lotto. And we thought, oh God, we'll have to go and get our PR team in for this. But uh, thankfully, other customers were also quite vocal in response uh, and said, oh, it's a results app. What are you looking for? So uh, sometimes you can rely on your customers to be your best defense, which is great. (laughs) Absolutely. And is is there something in that around the Australian psyche that just doesn't see this type of gambling as gambling? Like, because you're essentially playing by the same rules there as your yep. sports bets of your world or your online poker. But this is kind of the lot has always been around, right? And it's always been part of just what we do. Yeah, look, and, and I mean, we're really fortunate to build on that heritage, right? And, and I suppose what has put us in that that public perception, and I guess both statistically, it has been the way that, that we've operated our business and the way we administer our, our product. I think, you know, having a focus on player consideration when designing the games, it really comes into it. So, so yes, uh, we would suggest that it, it's on the, the softer scale, um, but we certainly don't shy away from the fact that it, it is a, a gambling product. But look, we thankfully see really what you'd consider sustainable and healthy levels of, of play for our customers. And, and and we do quite a lot of behavioral modeling on that as well. So 
it's not really about kind of being tarred with the same brush. It, it's sort of saying you can deliver a really compelling experience and compelling product while still considering the needs of people. But yeah, I mean, look, culturally Australians, you know, we, we enjoy luck and we, we enjoy having a go. So, um, you know, it speaks to why the lotteries have been around for, for so long. And I, I think there's the other aspect to it being the community side as well. Um, we've had a really proud history of, of giving back to the communities of, in which people are playing our games. So I think there's always a, a sense that you're, you're doing good at the same time as giving yourself a chance to dream. So, yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's definitely embedded into the psyche, I think, of us as Australians. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I think there's some really bad saying about flies up, up on a wall and whatnot. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, When, I don't know about, you but when you think of the gold lotto user or the powerball there's a certain type of demographic that comes to my uneducated mind and it's usually an older person with yep. a pencil case full of their tickets <laughs> and a pen ready to do their business at the news agents yep but you mentioned before that you've got a really diverse customer set can you tell us about you know two or three different types of customers that you've come across some that we may know about and some that surprised you yeah, look, I, I it was funny. I, I kind of, it, it was the exact same thing when I joined Lotteries. I was thinking of my own parents, um, you know, having the, the Saturday Lotto, Gold Lotto ticket up on the fridge and then checking the drawer on Saturday night, possibly before or after Hey Hey at Saturday while we had a roast. So it was all very, very white bread of us, but, um, you know, or it was my, my grandmother and, and probably not in the best way, but maybe, maybe sneaky as a scratchy every now and again for Christmas time. So it, um, you know, that was very much my, my assumption as well. Walking in, I thought, oh, you know, bit, bit, bit old, a bit tired, but um, it is so interesting. I think what unites all customers is that being in it to win it, right? Like it's the thing that everybody says it's the most cliched thing. I think when I look at our social media profile, it wouldn't matter what game we were presenting. I think the most common response we see is, wouldn't it be nice? Like it's going to be me. So I think um, the diversity really comes in more just understanding that everybody wants that chance to dream of, of making a, a life-changing event for themselves or for their for their loved ones. So, but in terms of more specifics, I guess um, it does come down to the games that we offer and, and I suppose the channels as well. So a lot of the time for a digital player, we'll see quite commonly um, that younger audience base, roughly around uh, like 25 to 35, which isn't our traditional target. I think, you know, the nature of lotteries is that, it's something that maybe comes into your psyche as you purchase a, a home for the first time, or you know, you, you've got you've got more things on your mind. So when you're kind of young and free, you're not really considering. You're like, my life's pretty great. I don't really, you know, don't need to change it. It's it's on a great trajectory, and then you know, life happens, and and you go, oh, wouldn't it be nice? You get a mortgage and kids, and you look to escape it all. Yeah, <laughs> that's and that's it, and that's what this is. Like, it, it's a ticket to dreaming. I, I think um, we say it all the time here, even when we're designing the digital experience, which is highly intangible. It's a real emotional experience. Uh, you, you're walking away with a ticket that's kind of smaller. If you're digital, you're not really walking away with kind of anything. Maybe an email confirmation. Um, but that that moment you're giving yourself to just dream about 
you know, what you might do with it or, or who, who you might give it to or what changes you make in life. Like it's really, um, it's really uplifting and it's really positive. And, and I think, you know, a, again, that's just what's uniting, uniting people. But yeah, as I said, that younger audience, we, we'd see them coming in um, more for those larger Powerball Oslotto jackpots um, or our, our mega draw at the end of the year, which is coming around. And I think, think people they'll typically kind of engage with it and usually digitally they'll engage with it but what we see as well I think that I was the most surprised about was uh, our syndicate players so syndicates are an offering that we have where a whole bunch of people can come together and 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 essentially split their entry and play that across a, a number of games and I think that really surprised me in terms of how many people you know run those themselves and and you know do the office collection and and whatnot so it, it really provides an opportunity for um, people who aren't as familiar with lotteries to get involved in in a more sharing and community sense which is which is really great so I think the customer age brackets for me uh, what blew me away was I just made an assumption that being digital therefore meant audiences would be younger it's really not. It's actually Mabel. It's the 85-year-old you were talking about before. And she's really keen. She can't get to the store. So she's actually really keen to, to grab her entry because she's still got to be in it. So when it comes to us designing our digital experiences, we actually have to think about people who are not digital, digital natives and delivering an experience to customer base. As we said, if you've got up to half the adult a population purchasing and you've got a good chunk of those purchasing digitally, you have to start start thinking about some things you might take for granted where you go, well, obviously everybody knows how to copy and paste and obviously everybody knows, you know, what this button does. And, and that's not always the case for us. So it's um, the diversity is important. Can you tell us a couple of those moments where you've had to kind of redesign an experience to cater for that non-technical crowd? Yeah, sure. So, and it kind of comes back to the ticket, actually. And this is something that we did during COVID, which was, you know, a lot of customers, unfortunately, due to lockdowns, weren't able to kind of make it to their their local store, but still wanted to to be involved. And and a feedback that we actually got was that they really wanted to print out their ticket, and it wasn't it wasn't a function we'd made. You know, I, I suppose thinking, well, it's in your account, it's there, it, it'll you know, and when you if you have a win, we automatically pay that those winnings back into your account happy days but we we saw that so much and I think that was us really you know putting ourselves in the shoes of those customers saying they still love that tangible ticket they want to stick it up on the fridge and they want to make it happen so yeah we we ended up designing a, a a printable ticket for people to uh, to print out, which wouldn't be something, as I said, normally as a digital business you'd do, but um, our customers have loved it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good example. How did you come across that insight? Like where did you get, pull that from? Yeah, so we actually run um, – we collect quite a lot of feedback through our contact centre. So we have an Australian-based contact centre um, and they uh, pass quite a lot of feedback through to us uh, from the calls that they take. We also have um, an email contact us form um, and we also have a voice of customer program that um, is run by our customer experience team. And so it's been a really big thing for us since we created, I guess, this digital business or, or, or I guess, what do we call it? Rebooted it, I should say, a few years back is we really use the customer feedback to prioritise the changes that we're making in the channels. And it's so it's so important for us because I think working in a, in a business as large as ours, there's a lot of opinions and uh, it can always be challenging to work out whose opinion is the one that you need to listen to. And so we were probably a bit cheeky and we decided that it was our customers that we wanted to listen to. And, and look, we, makes sense. Well, you know, it's a bit, a bit novel, a bit of an idea, but... Um, 
I think doing that, we feel this real sense of satisfaction where we see a, a complaint or a trend and we're able to sort of deliver that and turn that around quite quickly. It's really how we've driven so much of our the features within our mobile applications. We started very MVP there and, and customers were kind of screaming at us for, for more features and it, it's something that we're always really proud to deliver on. But um, yeah, so, so again, we have a, a voice of customer program by which we pull that through. We have our app store reviews as well. And, and, and we make a point of, of reviewing those monthly and then looking at our own backlog and, and, and seeing where things get weight. So we want to be responsive as well. And uh, we're really fortunate that our technology allows us to do that. So when you talk about reviewing it monthly, is there yep. a report that comes to the digital team that kind of collates the voice of customer, customer feedback, app feedback, all in one report, and you can understand what's kind of on top and what's trending? Yeah, it's not all in one report because that's a utopia, Nathan, as you know, like trying to get different <laughs> data sources all in one beautiful big report. But for the most part, yes, absolutely. So the way that, that we will typically do it is that the verbatim gets categorized and I'm actually unfamiliar with the platform that we use, but the verbatim gets categorized and then presents it to us in, in, in themes. And we kind of typically would put that under lottery themes. So is it about buying an entry? Is it about ticket history? Is it about playing it again? Is it about, so it's, 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 I guess, language that's familiar to us, but we can ultimately see that, that trend line of what's going up and what's going down. I mean, we also run quite a heavy um, optimization program or AB testing program as well. So we're, we're constantly trying to optimize our, our conversion rates. And through that, you'll, you'll build a backlog of, of insight as well. So we like to use a bit of the qual being our customers and their voice and, and a bit of a quant in what we're testing. And so that, that formulates our, our roadmaps for the website and the apps. Yeah, great. And, and in terms of getting all of that into a roadmap, because I could imagine there's so much that you think that you could do, yep. do you, is it up to the digital team to just go ahead and do the AB tests and then present that back as a case for implementing into a production sprint or yeah that's, that's no that's that's pretty much how we do it so we'll we'll gain that insight we'll do a, a rough assessment of, of effort and versus what we our hypothesis of what it's going to return and you know we'll conduct that test and then based on that we'll look to um, either implement as permanent code um, so we'll then brief it to our development teams um, for permanent uh, work or we'll of course kill it because it, it, it didn't work so you know very much a, a key thing in there is you, you need to have the ability to, to fail and to fail quickly and we've set up that program in such a way where we really can and I think um, something that I wouldn't have realized about which may be unique to lotteries I, I'm I'm unfamiliar I, I certainly didn't think about it before I started in this role and lottery plays heavily ritualized so people you know, it's something that's on their list to do each week because they they can't miss out. And so when you change things on customers, even if it's, you know, where the full stop is or where the button is, it's a big deal um, is what I've learned. And caring about customers so much, you know, we, we obviously get disheartened when we when we do get that that feedback where they're like, why have you bloody changed this? So it, um, and they do sound like that. I will, I gain a lot of pleasure of reading our verbatim because again, our customer base is so diverse that they're, their opinions or or, um, or their commentary about us or wondering who we are and whether or not we should be retained in our jobs. Uh, that's my favourite type of feedback. But um, Don't, don't uh, worry. I've, I've had um, lots of feedback from super cheap auto customers before, so yeah. I think we're, we're okay. That's right. And it's an emotional thing. So I think doing that, that testing and doing that to smaller audiences really gets you, uh, you can move that cheese just a little bit easier, I think, than just making the change and thinking you've got it right. So, yeah. 
talking about shifting customer behavior, if you're talking about that younger customer who's coming to play for the first time, yep. what are some of the key things that you need to do from a tactical perspective, whether it's marketing or technology, to get that first customer over the line to play because like you said I think it's fascinating is that once you're in you've got an account and you're set up and it becomes a ritual yep. over time it's rolling right yeah but getting that that customer over the line for the first time what have you found out about that yeah it's um it's it's a really good question I I think um we always look at it that all we we're wanting tactically is of course that that entry in the draw. So we're not particularly focused on um, how much that entry costs or what that entry delivers. So so we're not really pushing ourselves via those standard e-commerce metrics that that businesses would have. We really just want that person to engage with that brand um, and and grab an entry in that draw. Because as I said, after that, it as I was saying, it's it's an emotional purchase. So really, what we focus on from a digital point of view is making sure the experience is as like useful and usable and reliable and fun as it can be so that it garners I guess that a sense of excitement and anticipation um, the customer has and that's something that we're still working on to be to be really honest that's uh, a continual focus for us is how do we I think our first step that we did was make things really easy to transact with so we focused on all the transactional elements and and, and made that really effortless but in so doing, sometimes you can remove the really positive friction that you have through just waiting a bit longer or maybe presenting an animation or, uh, you know, just those little micro UX moments that make people go, I really enjoyed doing that. And look, the nature of lotteries too is that not everybody uh, has a winning entry. And so oh. I know, I know it's so sad. <laughs> um, but so it's really about how the experience helps soften the blow of that and how does the customer feel value in that that transaction because that's ultimately what will bring them back. So coming back to our customer feedback, uh, you know, we, we run Net Promoter Score and what you'll find is that customers will actually say, oh, the experience is great, but I didn't win. So you've got two stars. So, and that's not something that's that's in our control. So we try to not, you know, focus on that side. And and I guess you know how we we soften the blow more tactically will be really talking about the contributions that we make back to our communities. So equally alongside just that direct call to action or that belief in winning that we try to drive with customers, we really also want to reinforce the um the community contribution that that their ticket is involved in. I mean, as a business, we have in the form of like donations and our state government taxes have delivered back 1.4 billion back in and it's it, you know it's not small and and those things uh, you know go on to to fund a lot of really great causes within each of the the states and and territories that we operate in so i think tactically that's what we look at where we say well you know even if you personally haven't had success you've contributed to something that's that's bigger than yourself so yeah Tropeka is an Australian nutrition brand born on Shopify back in 2016, such a long, long time ago. Four years later, volumes have increased, B2B has become a priority, and it was time to scale. This meant a transition from Shopify to Shopify Plus, and what a transition it was with the addition of personalized discounts, cart optimizations, and a custom checkout. Tropeka were able to increase their average order value from $89 to $94 across 15,000 orders per month. That is a sign of a very healthy partnership. To read more of Tropeka's story and see other case studies, 
visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. You've done some things recently, like turning the fun into the actual process of buying the ticket and making that process fun. Yep. And the one thing that caught my eye was that execution where you can take a photo of something and it kind of reveals your lucky numbers. Yes. Yeah. So that was, that was picture pick. So yeah, we actually did, we did that a few years ago. And and again, that this is it, like we're always trying to explore if there are more elements to just the, the act of purchasing the ticket that creates better engagement because we do such a fantastic job. Our marketing team are amazing at, at bringing that awareness of these game brands and that belief in, in winning alive and, and, and as I said, and those community contributions. And so, you know, where our focus is or where we really come into is how do we continue that really great emotion and tradition? How do we actually embed that into the purchase experience and the results experience, of course, that comes after as well. You know, there, there is a draw that happens and, and yes, I will confirm there are actual barrel draws that happen and it's not, I think we get a lot of a lot of calls about that and we still broadcast the the, the draws for those people who, uh, you know, might not be really? watching on, so on demand TV. Yeah, absolutely. That's, awesome. that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it's it's on Channel 7, so I'm sorry to, to mention a 9 TV show there, whoops, but that was my history. So I, you know, that's what I recollect. But it, um, you know, as I said, there are a lot of other elements to the lottery journey, I, I suppose, that we as a business are probably spending a lot more time focusing on now than just traditionally getting that that sale message out out to customers. I mean, that's that's still really important and and needs to be there. We need that consideration. But yeah, like you've said, uh, so yeah, a picture pick was the idea of taking a photo and and that transforming itself into numbers, which represented um, your photo. We, we actually stopped offering that because again, to that point, what we found with customers is they kind of enjoyed that that concept once and then probably you know, disengage with it afterwards. But that's what we want to be able to represent um, for our digital business is the ability to, to trial new things and to trial right. new experiences. Because I think for, for every situation we've had like that, we've had some other really great permanent changes we've introduced. Uh, we were one day just sitting there and said, well, you know, when you're scanning a ticket, maybe you should, maybe there should be some confetti. And it was really one of our developers that said it to me. And then just, you know, within a couple of hours had a little prototype and we thought oh, that's cute let's just put it in and see how it goes and, it, and it's still the most screenshotted thing that, that we have and it was the simplest thing but of course what it what it did for, for players people wanted that confetti they were desperate for it so it's uh sometimes just really you could do something grand like picture pick or you can do something really simple like some confetti and uh and it really has that that impact so again it's it's about you know living in your customers shoes and, and appreciating what's really important to them at that that point lotteries is an easy place to fall into the jargon trap and just assume that customers know what you're talking about and i think i'm well known in our business for just saying but does a customer care about that thing so uh yeah we, tr- we try to keep it real in digital <laughs> that's awesome awesome now let's talk a little bit nerdy because i could imagine sure. that there's some fairly unique tech behind all of this as this isn't something you buy off the shelf and you have some pretty major peaks, especially around those times of the mega lotteries. How do you handle that? Yes. Yeah. Look, and I'm happy to nerd out on this because it's by far the biggest thing that I've learned living here. I've never, never worked in a business in my life that experiences the types of spikes and peaks that this business does when we have our large jackpots. And, and look, it's sometimes considered a blessing and a curse to have your own 
technology. For me, it's a blessing. So we're really fortunate to have a proprietary system that conducts our our lotteries and, and, and takes all the entry sales and um, the team that, that manage that are, are fantastic and, and really passionate about the business and the customer as well. And um, equally, we do all of our development in-house of our customer-facing touch points, so be it our terminals in-store or, or our apps or, or websites. So yes, it's a lot and, and therefore you've always got that balance of what you can innovate versus what you need to continue to support. But these sales, I think other than more appropriately, the cyber week that we're in at the moment, I, I have never seen anything like it. So when we're designing our experiences, it, it is a top three thing we have to consider is that, you know, that animation may be great or that journey may be excellent, but can we get that data when you've got, you know, millions of people requesting that same thing at the same time? So the way in which we've had to, um, and that has been something that we've had to equally work on over the last three to four years in terms of bolstering that that capacity because as the digital business has grown, um, traditionally we would see our peaks happen, you know, just before the kind of stores would close around that that 5 p.m. And of course, as stores themselves have now extended their own sales and then we sort of move into the last hour of the draw, the, the throughput rates are, are really phenomenal. I think like off the top of my head, sort of some of our larger Powerball draws that, that we've had, so where we're hitting like 100 million or 150 million. It sounds even insane to say those um, those amounts, but you're looking at a system and digital experiences that need to support up to 400 account registrations, 2,800 card, credit card or debit card deposits, and 3,600 entry purchases per minute. So wow. this is not small this is not your it's not your, your your backyard sort of sense of volume so it um it's incredible to watch like as it's happening as i said that that highest point of activity for us is typically in the last hour before the draw most of our lottery draws close at around 7 30 p.m at night uh, aest i have to write that all the time but um yeah, and, and it is just incredible. It's incredible to watch. And and look, from a support perspective, a lot of us are kind of on board online watching what's happening and what's going. And, and we're always continually, I guess, tweaking the performance of our of our systems. And as you said, there's a lot of pieces that, that go into making it making it all work. But I'm extremely proud of the the technology that we've built. We've been able to deliver really compelling experiences that can withhold those types of volumes. So it is a big part of my my life in terms of working with the technology teams and, and I find myself a split personality between the more common aspects of e-commerce to, to suddenly having to shift into very much a technology-based mindset where you, you're no longer you're thinking about the customer because you want them to be able to get what they need done but you, you're suddenly having to you're coming into a few terms where your eyes may, may glaze over so it's it's deep nerd stuff I'm probably shallow <laughs> nerd approved but yeah when it gets into the deep nerds I've got to trust the professionals <laughs> That's it. Are you, are you locally hosted or cloud-based? Uh, it's a mix of both, actually. So, yeah, again, uh, you know, we, we talked about what, what's something that's maybe not as familiar with or something that's more unique about uh, gambling. So, obviously, we're, we're quite a regulated business, as, as we very much should be. And so, that's our progress into newer technologies is actually also a journey that our regulators need to take with us. So our venture into into cloud has been a little bit longer than what other businesses would be. And that's really about, you know, making sure that that we can still always conduct a lottery. It's it's essentially like the longer I've worked here, the more I've just 
seen it as more of a, a service that's being provided a national service. So, you know, you have to really make sure that you're using a really good mix of everything to keep everything as strong as possible. So yeah, we're, we're hybrid at the moment, which I think in some instances, we, we'd probably want to be more cloud-based than physical-based, but there are some really good and solid reasons why we, we adopt both. That's right. And cloud doesn't necessarily solve everything, especially when you're on a custom stack, right? Yes, exactly. And, and you know, you want to be able to be the one that's in control of, of, of those switches and, and, and those things at, at those really crucial moments. And and I think, as we've said, like a really core pillar of our, our business is conducting it with utmost integrity. So we need to be able to know you know where our information is and and how securely it's stored and how well its um its redundancies are in place. So um you know as I said we we take that on as being the right choice to to conduct the lotteries that we need to. Fantastic. I think that's it's going to be really it's fascinating because a lot of uh, especially e-commerce retailers, especially recent ones, may have just signed up to Shopify or similar, and you just yep. get all that with it, right? And as yes, exactly like absolutely. Said, we go like Friday's Cyber Monday, it just works. It just it just yeah. happens. It just runs in the background. But um, especially for legacy retailers, people who have more complicated setups, this becomes a huge, huge part of what you do is I'm, managing I'm, availability. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And it's a it's totally a strategy of understanding what's really core to your business. So what's what what do you do that no one else can do, or that really that no one else can do better than you? And that that's the stuff that you need to own, and they're the things that you need to build in a proprietary way. And then you know the things that that kind of lets you then know what's ancillary. So you can kind of then start saying, how do I work with partners who are better established? How do I you know, change my different pieces of technology? So yeah, it's it's a huge part of the strategy. And I, I'd you know I'd say to those people look if, if I could use a Shopify solution uh, and, and kind of had it all rolled out for me I think that's absolutely the right choice when if you know that that's not what you're about um, again we're really fortunate to have a really strong technology backing in our business and it's, it's something that's, that empowers our our business so we, we tend to keep it that way but yeah I always think of it as what's core and what's ancillary is a good way to look at where you invest makes total sense it's like that is the tech not technology stack you've got there is the a key asset for yes, your business. It's like absolutely. if you were to sell the business overnight, that would be a key thing people would be buying straight away. So 100%. it makes total sense. Um, what kind of innovations do you see coming in the gambling space over the next 12 to 24 months that you've got your eye on? Yeah, it's a really interesting question for us, I, I suppose. Um, as I've said before, our, our kind of journey typically has to lag a little bit because we need to wait for rules and regulations to sort of modernize at the same time but I've um when I've been asked this question previously and asked it by senior management as well um I always like to think about what's not going to change um and it just helps set that whole context of saying well if that thing's not going to change everything around it probably could so I think for us it's um you know we're really quite interested in voice and what that means again thinking about a, a customer's behavior they're, they're checking results they're wanting to know what the jackpot figure is there's a lot of conversations that that a customer would do uh, or would would have i should say um and so therefore i think voice is a really interesting place for us to play in and i think it's it's really more about how a lot of the the technology that's available augments that in-store experience so it's not not necessarily that there's some new technology that's going to completely obliterate the face of lotteries. It's really more about saying there are so many great opportunities being enabled by other companies. So, you know, like what the Amazons and the Apples and the Googles are doing and, and it's about how your product 
becomes relevant back to that technology. So that's probably a lot of our focus, I would say. I think in the industry as a whole, I I'm really excited about what machine learning can kind of bring in terms of player behavior. Because again, we we talk about this aspect of of gambling needing a, a solid player protection framework and and you know delivering your, your games ethically. And as I said, that's something that in lotteries we've done for quite some time. But I think the industry as a whole can really benefit from utilizing their data better. But yeah, I, I think I think it'll be a very interesting landscape. I think, you know, what's happening with um, the digital platforms inquiry as well, that that impacts all marketers, not not just exclusively us. So I think that you know, we, as much as our business is so unique in, in what it's doing, um, the reasons people are, are wanting our products or coming back for more are, are really similar to everybody else. So I think I think we're really just trying to better use the technology to solve the problems that customers already have. Makes total sense. Have you got a favourite lottery winner story? I think we all love hearing these stories, but is there something over your time there that's really stuck with you around a winner? that um oh a favorite just... lotteries winner story mm. i have to th- like i um it's probably more just i was very very fortunate to um listen in to a call with one of our larger prize winners um for powerball personally and and it had been such an interesting day for me at that time that was our largest jackpot that I think we'd had at the time and I had been working since about 6am and and doing a whole bunch of kind of ongoing support and and maintenance and so I was exhausted and it was sort of roughly later into the night where we'd been able to to contact so our PR team have the wonderful job of calling uh, prize winners who are who are registered or or known to us and um, I think I won't talk about the call (laughs) Um, but it it was actually just such a moment where I realised that amongst all of all of this digital talk and all of this e-commerce talk, there are people who are experiencing life-changing moments. And I just, I, I actually cried. I'm not even a crier. Like I, unless I like hit my head, I typically cry. But I, <laughs> and to hear that person just in, in utter disbelief and, and I was in disbelief for them as well. And and you, as I said, you, you forget in some ways when, you, when you're actually in the business, uh, what that business is doing for, for people out, in, in Australia and, and, and it was just exceptional. So there wasn't anything particularly nuanced about their win. It was just being able to hear hear their voice and hear what that sounds like. And yeah, it's it's something that I it, it's almost a bit holy in our in our office. Like when you when you get to you can see the the PR team kind of walk into the call booth and you're like, oh I wonder who they're <laughs> calling. So it's um it is that as I said it notary seems to be quite enigmatic to a lot of people. But that, that's the wonderful part of it. So all the stories are fantastic and, and everybody has some link or, or some way. And, and as I said, our PR team do a fantastic job of getting those those stories out. And of course, we have them all uh, written up on our on our website for people to, to engage with. And then, and then they are highly engaging articles as well for us. So yeah, I, I think it was just that. It was making it really human for me. I guess I work in a inhuman world <laughs> working in technology so being able to hear that that person on the call was just yeah it was pretty life-changing even for me oh it's been a fascinating conversation because it's so different to the ones we normally have where it's not a physical product that you're selling and everything that you're doing here is about turning an experience that could be so uh remote or so kind of transactional and giving it a human element over it at yep. all stages. And it's really fascinating to hear your insights in how you've approached that. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you so much. It's been been great to talk about it and to part the veil on what trees. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, if people want to um, get in touch with you or hear more, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, well, for me personally, I'm um, I'm pretty much a self-proclaimed industry recluse. I will say that. Um, I just like to sit in my little <laughs> corner. You've blown but it now. Um, you've come on this show and I it's know. all over you've, you. I'm you've, sorry. you've exposed me. You've found some new talent. But um, look, I'm, I'm available on LinkedIn if, if anyone ever wants to kind of chat about uh, lotteries or just chat about, I guess, digital transformation in general. And of course, if you are a, a lottery player, given that, you know, there's quite a few of you out there, first of all, thank you. But secondly, feel free to leave us uh, an app store review if you're using our, our apps or leave us some feedback via our email form on the website. Well, you know, you never know, you might see your feature uh, in the website or app anytime soon. That's awesome. Sharon Ensign from The Lot, thank you very much. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed that chat with Sharon. It's so fascinating to dive into a totally different retail model to understand the unique challenges that they face. What stood out to me though was Sharon's focus on the customer. Even when the regulations are really complicated, the technology is a beast and you are part of a large multi-billion dollar company. Sharon still turns to the customer to make her decisions. The process about reviewing and actioning customer data at least monthly was fascinating and more so Sharon's confession that there's no magic report which brings all that feedback into one tidy dashboard. There's still no blue pill to swallow. But the important part isn't flawless data. It's taking the time to regularly review the feedback and to start taking action today. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep adding to cart.